1: Today's topic is all about mental wellness. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Dr. Christina Bjorndal. Let me tell you a little about her. Uh, Dr. Christina Bjorndal is an authority in the treatment of mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety, bipolar disorders, and eating disorders, having overcome many health many mental health challenges. Dr. Chris is a gifted speaker and writer who has helped many patients achieve physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. She has completed three books on mental health, as well as a 10-week course and in-person retreat on mental health. Dr. Chris, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show.
2: Thank you very much. It's great to be here with you.
1: I'm so excited to have you on. It's been a while since I've had a podcast where we've spoken about mental health and the importance of that and how much natural medicine can have an impact. Um, For the listeners out there, I did interview Dr. Kelly Brogan a while ago. I'll find that podcast in our archives, and I'll put that link in the podcast notes. And I specifically remember Dr. Brogan talking about depression, and she's saying, you know, we should not so much think of depression as a mental illness, but we should start thinking of it more as a symptom, a symptom that something is wrong, you know, deeper inside. So, Dr. Chris, can you talk about your story, if you would be so kind, your story about how you regained your mental health? I think that's a good place for us to start today.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So my story starts in high school when I developed an eating disorder, and an interesting side note around that was the year prior to that, I did antibiotics for several months to treat acne, and now there's a lot, there's much more research and discussion around the relationship between the gut microbiome and mental health but back in the mid um, or early 1980s when, when that happened to me, there was no conversation going on about the microbiome at all. So from I just mentioned that to people because from a root cause, it's really important to take uh, a proper case and to ask questions going as far back as to how did you take antibiotics and for how long in your childhood. So I... Um, was also an overachiever, and I, in that tendency, served me well until I got to about to my third year in university. And I found myself in a place where I'd never been before, which was paralyzed by anxiety and debilitated with depression. I was started on an antidepressant, which I took, and for several months. I uh, slowly started to feel better, but then I swung completely the other direction into a full-blown delusional psychotic manic episode, and I was given the diagnosis of bipolar disorder type 1. And what I did with that is I basically pushed it into a corner where I didn't, look, and I didn't uh, want anyone to know about that or the experience that I'd had, and then I just continued marching along back to that overachieving type behavior, and upon graduation I ended up working in the corporate world, reported to a CEO within six years of my career, And all the while, was wearing this mask that, hey, everything, you know what, I've got it all together, everything's okay on the outside, but actually, I really wasn't doing that well on the inside. And this all culminated in a suicide attempt um, in 1994 that left me in a coma with kidney failure. And I was told that I would need a kidney transplant. And I was on dialysis for a a while, a period of time, and it was during this time of recovery that I was given a book to read by Marianne Williamson called A Return to Love. And in that book, there's a quote on surrender, which goes along the lines of, surrender is not about breaking out of anything. It is a gentle melting into who we really are. And we let down our armor And we learn to love and accept all aspects of ourselves. And so for me, that was a very impactful statement because what I realized um, was I didn't love and accept myself. I had been living in or with the stigma and the shame of having this diagnosis. uh, And so I began to look for other ways and and to find answers to the question you know what is going on with me and is there another solution other than being at war with myself and taking five psychotropic medications to try to manage myself and it was through that quest to find help that I came across a a mental health regained public forum and I went to that lecture and listened to a doctor talk his name was Dr. Abraham Hoffer and i became his patient started on a nutritional protocol and then shortly thereafter that was really my first year where i felt some relief from depression and anxiety which i hadn't felt in the 15 years prior to that and that got me wondering about how how could i help people if if this is the only person that i could find at the time and i know there's a lot of people struggling then there must be a need for this type of care, and so I then uh, made a career change, and here I am today practicing as a naturopathic doctor t- and helping people regain their mental health in the ways that I have been able to. so that's the journey the you know the thirty year journey in a <laughs> in a
1: nutshell for you. Thank you so much for sharing that. So let's dive a little bit deeper into what are some of the underlying factors that you look for when a patient comes into you and they're struggling with some kind of mental illness as far as like getting to the root of it? What are some of the things that you look for?
2: Mm -hmm. so first I explain that there's four aspects to us as people so we have to understand that we have the physical the mental the emotional and the spiritual and our western system is focused on that physical level so what I explain is there's three macro systems within you that comprise the physical which is the neurotransmitters The neuroendocrine system and the organs of detoxification so what we want to understand and as dr. Brogan said depression is can be a symptom so with respect to the neuroendocrine system or the hormonal system what we want to understand is every hormone in your body can have as a symptom mental health conditions or mental health um, pieces of the puzzle like anxiety and depression or insomnia or mood swings, or irritability, uh, sleep disturbances. So all of these things are, as from a root cause, what what is causing them can be a balance in the hormonal system. Most times, people are just addressing the neurotransmitters, which is one piece of the puzzle. But I find in most cases we have to look at all three of those macro systems.
1: Yeah, and for, yeah, I've seen in my practice, I have a lot of patients that come in that have some level of anxiety, some level of depression, whether it's been diagnosed or whether that's just a feeling that they have. Um, and, of course, if they've been diagnosed, most of the time they're on some kind of medication. And uh, oftentimes they just, you know, come in and they tell me that they're, like, the medication is not working They've tried Mm -hmm. many different medications and then in my mind, you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's not really a neurotransmitter imbalance. Maybe there's something else going on because there's other reasons. So I'm so happy that you're explaining about the hormones and that so you could be talking about the sex hormones. You could be talking about the stress hormones. You could be talking about the thyroid hormones. You could be talking about insulin. It would be any of those hormones, right?
2: That's correct. Yeah.
1: And so when you yeah. so when you look at a patient, you're looking at at least from a hormonal standpoint, you're looking at all of those variables, and that's just one piece of the puzzle. That's correct. that's right. Is there anything else you want to say about the hormonal system before we move on?
2: I think it's really um especially in mental health that it gets mislooked it gets overlooked. and and people are often, as you said, they're just giving out an antidepressant or an anti-anxiolytic, thinking that the cause is related to the neurotransmitter function, but really it's, it's not. It's often related to this hormonal picture or a combination of the two. And I know for myself, when I first was regaining my mental health, it was primarily the neurotransmitters that were being supported, and I started to feel better for half of the month. And then the other half of the month, I still was struggling, right? So you have to understand, you know, for me then that I didn't realize at that time because I had no knowledge about the body or medicine, but I, you know, that obviously was that my hormones were also out of balance, which they were. So that's, it's really important for people to understand that I think there's an explanation for what you're going through and, and we can figure it out. It just, it may take time, but there is an answer or an explanation to what you're going through. And
1: also to add on to that, you know, from a from the standpoint of our male patients, um, the importance of testosterone and that, testosterone often starts declining at, ab- at about the mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some men, it could be even earlier than that. And for some men, it could be like a slow decline. For others, it could be a sharp drop. But for men, testosterone has a big impact on mental health. So it's not It's not just like sex drive. It's not just about erections. Testosterone can have a huge impact on motivation, drive, and mental health for men.
2: That's right. Yeah, and there's also a huge connection between just testosterone and heart disease in men as well. So that's also important for people to to be aware of.
1: Yeah, so when you look at the hormones, and you look at the neurotransmitters, so how do you look at the neurotransmitters? Is that, because I've heard some, I know there are tests, some tests that are out there, but, you know, that has varying opinions on the validity of the test, you just go by the patient's symptoms, like how do you address that, or do Mm -hmm. you go deeper than that?
2: Yeah, so what I do is I will assess them using some objective questionnaires as well, just to give me a a sense of the degree of which they are experiencing symptoms of depression. And then what I do from the neurotransmitter perspective initially is I start off by explaining this dietary piece because this was really big for me. I had been a vegetarian, but I was really more of a carpentarian. There weren't a lot of vegetables in my vegetarian diet. And one of the, what people have to understand is that serotonin, which is one of the main neurotransmitters that is often implicated in mental health, it is derived in the body from tryptophan. And tryptophan is an essential amino acid. So what that means is we can't make it ourselves. The body, we do not have the ability to make tryptophan, nor do we have the ability to manufacture vitamin C, so there are certain nutrients that are essential building blocks to making these chemicals in our body. And if you're not giving yourself those substrates through the diet, you're not going to get there. And so that was big for me. And when I ended up having a, doing a dietary analysis, the only essential amino acid I was deficient in was tryptophan so it was no wonder that i could that i always felt in a low state of uh, with my mood because i wasn't there, there was no ability for me to make serotonin on my own and there's also other many other nutritional cofactors that are required along the pathway of converting tryptophan to serotonin so there's a long list of nutrients like such as zinc b6 B3, B5, iron, magnesium, um, and vitamin C. So if you are deficient in those, and I was low in in B12, which is another nutrient, and iron, then those are also limiting factors in your ability to make serotonin. So for me, I always start with the diet piece, making sure that we are... Giving, making sure that our body has the nutrients that it requires in order to make the neurotransmitters. Because if you just start with supplementation, and often supplementation is, is required, um, I still think from a root cause, we always have to make sure that we're eating the right foods. And that in our society, because we are a little bit off track, I think, in this food department, we are, you know, we may be negligent in if we don't suggest to people this dietary piece.
1: I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was getting the sense that maybe some of the listeners would just like run out and buy a bottle of tryptophan and and of course you could do that but if that doesn't work it's because there's a lot of other factors at play and that you know supplements can be helpful and they have their place but you cannot just supplement yourself out of this. You have to get the whole diet aspect uh,
2: get that, you know, up to par. Yeah, and it's really important, too, to mention that tryptophan, for, it, it, its primary direction isn't actually to go to make serotonin in the body. And so I don't actually, I never actually prescribe tryptophan because tryptophan, what people want to understand is its primary direction to go if we're not under a lot of stress is to make vitamin B3 that's used in every single cell of our body in the Krebs cycle to make what's called adenosine triphosphate, which is the energy currency that every cell in our body needs to stay alive. And so that's the priority. It's more important to keep our hearts beating and our lungs breathing than it is for us to feel good. But if we are under stress, and a lot of people are, then the tryptophan can go down a different pathway in the body called the kyanuric pathway, and it, it goes on to make something called quinolinic acid, which is considered more of a neurotoxin. And to, and then we are ne- have a hard time again getting to the serotonin piece. So tryptophan, it's 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 best to be working with somebody who can help navigate this for you. And I there's different opinions about the tryptophan piece. Some clinicians do prescribe it. I personally uh, don't because I also feel that managing stress is a really big part of this mental health puzzle as well and unless the person is in a parasympathetic or relaxed state then depending on what's going on in their life and the different factors tryptophan may not be the right prescription so please consider working with someone if you're not already.
1: And then Dr. Chris is there anything else that you wanted to Say about the neurotransmitter piece before we go on to the detoxification piece.
2: Just that there, the three sort of the three main neurotransmitters are serotonin, from an inhibitory perspective, or serotonin, GABA, and then dopamine. And dopamine is really important as well if there's any addiction issues that a patient has. So that's why there's another uh, common neurotransmitter that, or sorry a common antidepressant that many people are aware of called welbutrin um, or bupropion which is also used for helping people quit smoking so there's and dopamine is also derived from another essential amino acid called phenylalanine so again coming back to this dietary piece it's really important to make sure that you're getting these building blocks so that's, that's the other, and then I just, the last thing I want to mention about neurotransmitters is if you're working with a patient or if somebody has bipolar disorder, we do have to be careful with the, the excitatory neurotransmitters, so the norepinephrine, epinephrine, and glutamate. Some, some references do refer to dopamine also as an, as an excitatory neurotransmitter, so we do have to be, I think, mindful of that uh, because I don't want to swing anybody into a manic state.
1: So thank you so much for explaining all of that. So as far as the physical aspect, you said there's the three main puzzle pieces, the endocrine, the neuroendocrine or hormonal aspect, and then the detoxification aspect. So let's talk
2: a little bit about that detoxification aspect. Hmm. So what we want to understand is everything that your body consumes the air that we breathe the water that we drink or whatever the the whatever it is that we drink whether it's water alcohol um coffee pop they there there can be chemicals uh in in all of these things that create a burden in the body and a lot of times people think of mental health conditions as again as a deficiency picture that you're not making enough of something but some, but something to be to, to to consider is perhaps there's something from the environment that is actually blocking the receptor so it can't get in to the cell to do the job that it needs to do whether it's a hormone or or the neurotransmitter so this environmental piece and then the connection of with that and then the organs of detoxification is extremely important and we talk about the gut or our digestive system as the second brain. So the health of our digestive system is is an important piece of this puzzle. And I was mentioning at the very beginning how I had taken antibiotics for several months prior to the the onset of, a, of an eating disorder. And now there's research that confirms that, that there is this connection. So... Understanding that you have more bacteria in your digestive tract than you have cells in your body. And the relationship or the balance of these bacteria is really, really important in our in our overall health and also helps our, our organs of detoxification. So it helps us to have proper or regular bowel movements. So If you're not having, so the main detox organs that people are are aware of is the liver and the colon, but we do want to understand that the kidneys and the lungs and the skin and the lymphatic system are also all part of this. So if you're not eliminating properly, then you are creating what, what can happen is your liver works extremely hard to get these toxins out of your body and they can Get eliminated from our body by two routes, the bowel or through the urine. And if you're not el- eliminating regularly, then the stool can sit in the large colon, and this if there's an imbalance in bacteria which many people have, there's these bacteria that end up basically breaking apart the chemicals that the liver has worked to to get rid of, and you end up reabsorbing them and getting another toxic hit. And then this, in turn, contributes to inflammation and to something called leaky gut syndrome. So all of these factors play a role, and it relates back to our prior use of medications, to our levels of stress, to the level of stomach acid that we have. And so we're always wanting to take a look at what's happening from a digestive perspective as well as the liver and the colon
1: fantastic thank you for explaining all of that the, the research is just there's an abundance of research right now on the gut microbiome mm-hmm. and the gut brain connection and the brain gut connection and so for the listeners out there everything that Dr. Chris is telling us today there is research behind all of this um, okay so let's kind of switch gears And um, talk about some of the other steps that you use when you're addressing the mental aspect of health, the emotional aspect of health, the spiritual aspect of
2: health. Mm -hmm. So the main thing that I teach people, so this, so what I want, people to understand is so for me it started with this physical piece right it started with putting in the nutritional foundations and building blocks to support the formation of the of the neurotransmitters and the hormones but i still had to work on my thoughts and my emotions and so what i teach people is how to manage their mind so they're not at the mercy of it so i have additional training in aspects of mindfulness uh, counseling and compassion-focused therapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy, and gestalt psychotherapy. So what I think is really important for people to understand is that there's something called psychoneuroimmunology, and so what that means is basically your thoughts create neuropeptides and these neuropeptides and affect the hormones that can get produced in the body, which in turn affect how you feel. So it's a bit of a chicken and an egg problem here, because if we're wanting to change how we feel, we have to take a look at the thoughts that we're thinking. And I know for me, this is really difficult at the beginning, because I felt like if you had said to me, hey, Chris, change your thoughts, change your life, I would have probably rolled my eyes at you and walked out of the room. And I think that was because I felt like you were implying that I was causing depression, like intentionally with my thoughts. But the reality is, now that I'm on the other side of this, I can see that I was really a glass is half empty thinker. In fact, I wasn't even a glass is half empty person. I was a who stole my, I don't even have a glass. I don't have any water person. So it was a very negative um, thinker. And it's been a real important piece of my healing to learn how to manage these thoughts. So just so the listeners have something to to take away, what I what I teach is this this process. It's called a four R process or I initially that's what I was taught by my naturopath, but I, I've upgraded it since I'm still have this overachieving piece of the puzzle to the seven R's. <laughs> but really the four R's just because we have a short shorter period of time here is you want us to, recognize. So if the first R is recognize, what is the nature of the conversation going on in your head? Who has the stage? Is it an inner critic? Or is it an inner cheerleader? Are you constantly beating yourself up and criticizing yourself? Or are you being kind and considerate and granting grace and compassion to yourself? Most of us are not doing the latter. Most of us are being quite harsh on ourselves so once you recognize that the second step is to refrain from following these thoughts any further because our thoughts trigger these emotions which then trigger another thought and we go round and round and we spiral and we stay stuck in depression and anxiety and you refrain by relaxing into this present moment with your breath essentially this is learning how to meditate. It doesn't have to be that you have to sit for, you know, 30 minutes twice a day. This can be as simple as interrupting the thoughts with taking two deep, deep breaths. And the important part about the breathing that I want people to understand here is that most people are just breathing with the top parts of their lungs, but your lungs go all the way down to the bottom of your rib cage. And your diaphragm comes across. And when you pull that diaphragm down to do a proper inhalation, what's sitting right underneath your diaphragm is your adrenal glands. And it's those adrenal glands that respond with hormones like cortisol in response to these thoughts that are critical. And so that's coming back to that piece that I was mentioning, the psychoneuroimmunology piece. So learning to move ourselves from a sympathetic or stressed state into this parasympathetic or relaxed state is extremely important. And just to mention back to this dietary piece that I was talking about earlier, digestion, there's certain functions in the body that require you to be in a parasympathetic or a relaxed state. And and digestion is one of them. And most people are eating in a sympathetic state. They're eating uh, on the run. They're eating in their car while they're uh, while they're working. They're not moving into a parasympathetic state. So you may you might be eating the most pristine organic food, but if you're in a sympathetic state, you may not be getting the full benefit from the nutrition. So, and then the last R is to resolve that you have to repeat this process this is not something that you can just do one time and expect to have yourself cured it's it's look at your mind like a muscle and if you wanted to develop a six-pack you got to do more than one sit-up so it's the same thing with this you have to repeat uh this process over and over again and so What people can do, what I would love people to do, is to start asking, where are you living in your mind? Are you living in the past, in the present, or in the future? And realize that the only one of those three things that actually exists is this present moment, right here, right now. And so if you're worrying about something in the future, the best thing you can do is affirm the outcome that you want to have happen. Instead of, most people are thinking about all the worst-case scenarios, all the negative what-ifs. So start to check in with yourself about where are you living from, from a time perspective, but also what is the nature of the thoughts that you're thinking, and are they serving you or not?
1: Dr. Chris, I have so many more questions for you, but we just have a couple of minutes left. Is there anything else that you think is important for our listeners to know, you know, that we haven't talked about yet?
2: I think the most, another really important thing here that I want people to know is that ultimately, learning to love and accept yourself is a really important part of this puzzle. And. Most people, I I know for myself, I really was at war with myself. So until you can shine the light of love on these aspects of yourself that you don't like, love, or accept, that that is what has to happen, I think, in order for true healing to take place. So an important question I ask my patients is, how how much do you love yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? And this isn't about being selfish. This is about... How much do you honor who you are and how do you show up in the world? And if you're, you are really are at war with yourself, then that's really what we have to, to work on. So just, just what I want people to understand is you are with you longer than anybody is going to be with you. So it's really important for you to get this relationship right with you first and foremost.
1: Dr. Chris, how can our listeners find out more about you?
2: So there's uh, my website, which is Dr. Christina, and then my last name Bjorndal. So B J O R N D A L. I've written a book called Beyond the Label: Ten Steps to Improve Your Mental Health with Naturopathic Medicine, which I'd love people to check out on um, online on Chapters or Amazon. There's also, if people are interested in just the diet piece, I've created a, a. book called the essential diet eating for mental health which is a great first place to start and then i'm on social media dr christina Bjorndahl on facebook or dr chris bjandall on instagram or twitter and uh yeah i'd love to i'd love for people to reach out and, and connect
1: dr chris thank you so much for being my special guest today this has been an awesome interview
2: thanks for having me
1: all right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Christina Bjorndal. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone.